Hey, this is Marie from Brad Ohio. I wanted to welcome you on a new episode of Naysayers, where we're going to be discussing about entrepreneurship, equestrian sports, as well as everything related to the company and how we aim to improve the market in the future. If you want to find out more, feel free to subscribe, follow us on Instagram, and of course, check out our nice catalog of horses. Take care of yourself. See you soon. Ciao, ciao. looking quite in depth in what you're doing I think it's very cool thanks perhaps I think that the best way to start this would be to look into well introducing yourself and, and what your role is of course I'm not sure everyone will know what an equine appraiser is and I think that getting your perspective from it could be a great way to start I'm sure. Yeah. So um, I'm based in Alberta, Canada. Uh, I'm an expert and a senior recognized judge expert with Equestrian Canada and the United States Equestrian Federation. Um, I'm also a rider, trainer and breeder, but my main job is working as an equine appraiser um, and an equine expert witness around the world. Uh, and I'm also a private investigator specializing in equine and livestock cases. Wow. Um, and for, for those that don't know what an appraisal is, it's uh, basically putting a value on a horse. Um, and it's, it's often used for the court system. So uh, for people that are getting a divorce or an estate settlement where a family member has died and maybe has um, a few high-valued horses. And in order to close the estate, they need to know the value of the horses. Uh, and then, of course, there's lots of cases where I'm dealing with contract disputes or you know someone suing their trainer or you know a veterinarian may have uh done something to uh injure a horse or um uh you know cause a fatality and so that ends up going through the legal system okay that's super interesting i feel like i feel like it's it's a, it's a difficult debate like for example for us in our end one of the biggest i think the biggest political point in the horse world other than trainers commissions lack of transparency all of that is pricing right you've got the yeah. price of the buyer and the price of the seller so from your experience um what would you say helps in valuing a horse because i feel like it very much depends on the current environment the economical situation of the of the industry and the world in general but also like people right now ask fortunes 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 for for your average six-year-old so what's your take on this yeah, so it, it, it kind of, it's really uh, horse dependent and, and also where you are in the world as well. So um, there are so many things that go into valuing a horse, everything from, you know, the sire and the dam, um, confirmation, temperament, um, you know, if the horse is already showing what kind of show results they have. So there's, there's just such a, a huge, um, you know, a variation and, and even where they're being sold from. So of course, you know, uh, if someone has got maybe uh, an international potential horse and selling it from their own backyard, that's likely going to bring a very different price, sales price, than if it was, you know, say at John Whitaker's barn. Um, so that is also a factor in there too, depending on where the horse is being sold from and what kind of connections you have as well. Yeah, and uh, well, before I start <laughs> giving my opinion, one question: Do you do you do that only for show jumping, or do you also do like racing, dressage? Um, and um, I think that the biggest um, section of my business is mostly hunter jumpers and um, and dressage horses. Now, of course, uh, you know they don't have show hunters in Europe. 
Um, so that's something that's that's in North America here. But yeah, I do mostly show jumpers and and um, and dressage horses. Um, but I've also done you know cutting horses and reining horses, uh, a little bit of race horses. But I you know the majority of my work is is in the English end of the industry. Super interesting. Super super interesting. What would you say right now? Um, is the biggest challenge for people when it comes to not buying a horse because of course there's so many but when it comes to pricing how do you like because because i feel like this is what this is what my experience was has been so far you want to price your horse in a way that is exclusive enough to attract the right buyers while affordable enough to sell it um what what do you think goes down in people's minds when it's time to price a horse and how can they actually do that effectively? Um, I, th I think it's really important for horse owners not to be what I call barn blind and it's really tough. So, you know, you may have uh, an acquaintance down the street who sells their horse for sort of double what yours is priced at. But if that horse is really talented, you know, and, and showing just, um, you know, great scope and ability through the, you know, a young horse through the uh, free jumping chute and maybe has the ability to one day do the, you know, meter 50s or meter 60s, then it warrants a higher price. So I think sometimes some sellers sort of outprice, you know, their horse and then it sort of limits the number of, of potential buyers that you're going to have coming in. Um, so a, a lot of it is, you know, can be ability dependent. Um, so I think if someone's really clearly looking at their horse, understanding what that horse may be capable of doing in the future and then sort of pricing them at that. Um, I, I find for a lot of individual horse owners, if they're struggling with that price, one of the best things to do is, um, you know, seek out a local trainer um, who can give them sort of a second opinion. And, and it needs to be a trainer who's used to selling. So if you're going to a trainer that, you know, does a lot of coaching and lessons and, and that kind of thing, but they don't do a lot of selling, um, sometimes it can be difficult for them to even price the horse realistically. You've got to go somewhere like a sales barn or a sales agent who's going to be able to give you a, you know, a, a fairly realistic um, opinion of your horse and the value that you could get for the horse. I think it's it's also super interesting to look at the um, what do you call it the, the, the territories as well. Like when we look in Europe, for example, or in Latin America, or just saying in America prices of horses are drastically different and for example i've had the experience recently of selling a very very nice horse in the us for for a lot of money but for that same amount of capital in europe you would have a horse that's jumping probably the five star level whereas in america it's a, a very 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 nice amateur horse so i wonder do you think that the market has a lot to say on the prices of horses as well or do you feel like our industry is also driven by demand and what people are willing to spend? Tricky question. Um, actually, both. I, it, it's both. Um, you know, in North America, it's a bit unique, especially in the United States, where we have a very amateur-driven market um, and a lot of money here. So, you know, you've got a lot of horse owners with, with cash to spend. Um, and so they're, they're willing to pay. Whereas, um, you know, I find in Europe, 
you know, the prices, like you mentioned, can be a little bit lower. Um, and so in North America, it's a, it's a bit unique where we're willing to pay a bit more. Um, and it was quite interesting, especially during COVID when the borders were closed down, um, you know, and a lot of Americans weren't able to go over to Europe to purchase anything. And so prices started increasing here in, in America because of that fact. So um, definitely, you know, anyone that's doing appraisals or valuations, you, you have to factor in the, the economy, uh, the overall economy. You also have to factor in the horse market and especially regionally or, you know, even nationally sometimes uh, in order to, to um, come up with valuations on a horse. One thing that I've been thinking about um, recently, knowing that we're in the sales business, what we do is, is we sell share jumpers, we yet do have you know, a very, very new approach to everything. We're kind of considering that with the situation of the economical uh, crisis, that is appearing and that is probably going to hit. Do you think that people will have to adapt to that? And do you think that the value forces will go down for it, like due to it, such as what happened, for example, in 2008? With cheaper horses, I, I experienced that in Europe. We saw a lot of very, very nice horses that were going for very little amount of money because people couldn't afford them due to the um, economic crisis. Do you think something like that would happen again if that was the case of a, of a crisis? Or do you think um, it would go up as a luxury asset? I think it, it depends on the crisis. So it, it's actually a great question that we've you know sort of been talking about as appraisers for the last two years because... You know, when the when 9-11 happened, I mean, it, it completely changed the world economy, um, you know, and horse prices plummeted, as did many other, um, you know, different industries. Um, and then it plummeted again in 2018 um, with the stock market crash. Um, and so when COVID hit, we all knew, you know, the financial industry knew that everything was just going to crash again. Um, and ironically, it didn't. The horse market actually soared. And I think what happened during COVID is a lot of people took time to figure out what they really want to do with their their hard-earned money and their extra time. Um, and horse prices just, you know, went up. And um, I don't see it coming down anytime soon. And we, you know, we all expected it to to come down. And we've also seen that in the art market, the collectibles market, it's just gone insane as far as prices go. Um, so I think the only way we're going to see a downturn in the horse market at this point is it would have to be a, a major economy crash, um, you know, which which tends to cycle. So, you know, it, it will end up coming again. It's just a matter of when. But uh, as far as COVID goes, it has actually bumped the prices up. It's interesting because one thing that I'm seeing as a trend is that, well, in, in a weird way, right, that the richer are getting richer and the poor are getting poor. There's more and more of a divide in the, in the economical landscape, talking from a general perspective, right, not talking from horses. Do you think that, I'm, I'm asking you such deep questions, I'm just, your profile blows my mind, so I'm just going to use <laughs> as much as possible. Do you think that we're going to see a bigger divide in equestrian sports meaning do you think it's going to be more and more complicated to afford horses i do and i i wish it wasn't like that um i know a lot of you know associations and federations are trying hard to be inclusive um you know trying hard to get the low end of the industry 
involved. Um, at the other extreme, what is happening is we're losing a lot of our show venues. The prices are going up for that. Uh, you know, venues are, are being sold for real estate. And so because of that, shows are becoming more and more expensive. There's more demand for, um, you know, equine testing as far as disease, going to horse shows, Coggins test, all of those things start adding up. And of course, you know, the, just the economy in general is bumping up the price of fuel and, uh, you know, the cost of living. So unfortunately, I do see our industry at some point being tough to get in. Um, if you're sort of low income or even, you know, a middle income family, especially at the higher levels, if you want to compete, um, you know, internationally, you definitely have to have um, some financial backing behind you. It's unfortunate, isn't it? Because it's such it a is. beautiful sport. And, and I feel like I feel like it provides so much more than people just think it does. Like on an emotional level, people... It's it's just proven you are better when you practice equestrian sports in a way or another because you find yourself, you know, emotionally more balanced. And I mean, generally speaking, like it, it has so much positive to bring to people. And I feel like if we were able to open that to people more, it could be it could be it could be just just a different sport, I feel like. And the stereotype where we've seen a lot of people struggling to feel like they fit in has been present for so many years. And I don't want to see the market becoming you know more and more of that but i guess that unfortunately we just have to kind of adapt with what we have in front of us um and what brought you to to become a equine appraiser because that's quite a specific one isn't it it is yeah um yeah so i i started out doing a few insurance valuations for my training and boarding clients in the mid 90s um and then in the late 90s we were heading down to california to show on the hunter jumper circuit for the winter um and i took a horse down with me that was for sale in the six figures and we decided to increase the insurance value before trailering down um and the insurance company wouldn't increase the value unless we had um, an appraisal done and so we we searched and the least expensive appraisal we could find was going to be 1500 us uh, and I just thought that was such a ridiculous price and it really backed horse owners into a corner. Um, so once I got back from California, I started researching the appraisal profession and, um, you know, what I could do to change it and make it more affordable for horse owners. And so then my research snowballed into learning all aspects of the appraisal industry. And then my company just grew from there. So um, because of that, I've always strived to try and keep my appraisal prices affordable. I find that super, super cool. The, um, have you been able to, to keep up to date with recent technologies such as like blockchain, for example? Sorry, could you repeat that? I said, have you been able to keep up to date with recent technologies related to like traceability and pricing changes such as like blockchain? Have you heard of that? Um, yes, um, I don't, uh, honestly, I don't have any experience with that. Um, you know, even outside of the, the horse industry, it's, it's definitely, um, an interesting aspect. Yeah, it's just something I haven't um, gotten into at this point. The reason why I bring this up is because, oh my God, this is good. When people are going to hear it, it's going to be like, okay, Marie, come on, please just one step at a time but i'm i'm very much trying to create a digital dynamic when it comes to purchasing sales of show jumpers so i'm very much myself into innovation and technology and stuff like this as well as equestrian sports i absolutely love both sides of things um 
and there is a technology that I will share with you that much more in detail, but it allows to do transaction in a way that's completely traceable, knowing exactly who the owner is, the seller is, it's verifiable digitally. Um, and you can see exactly when the transaction occurred, the value of the transaction and the value of the price uh, of the offers made. The reason why I bring this up is because you've got a lot of people that come to you before you buy the horse, for example, you tell me, oh, X, fancy rider that jumps on the five-star Grand Prix level, offered X amount of money for my horse. Okay, that's great. Why didn't they buy it? So that's, that's, that's one question that, are, that comes often. And the other one is, can you prove that to me, right? Can you prove that? X amount of people are interested in your horse for this amount of this amount of money, um, because I also believe that the price of the horse is the price that the buyer is willing to pay for it. So, what I'm trying to come down to here is the fact that if we're able to bring together a system that allows people to prove in a timely manner, in you know, in a real like lifetime, that certain offers are being made on the horse, it would be way easier for people to prove that they can kind of value their horse at a certain amount of money this is probably way advanced for this conversation <laughs> and for people in the sport but i'll share that with you i think it's super interesting and i feel like with the development of, of tech and the development of new initiatives and openness when it comes to transparency and stuff we're going to see some very interesting changes in the future um in, in the sport have you ever thought of anything related to for example the price index um, I, I have my own. So, you know, the concept that you bring up is, is really quite interesting. And, um, you know, I have definitely have heard a few discussions uh, about it. But so I have my own sort of private sales index. And, you know, I guess the, the problem is, um, you know, the answer is sort of multi-layered as far as transparency and prices go. And, um, you know, I, I think it's it's important to realize that, you know, the equine industry isn't just a sport or a hobby as much as we'd like it to just be. Um, and as soon as you introduce prize money or, or winnings, it, it really turns the sport into a business. So, um, you know, it, it often doesn't affect the low end of the equine industry, but at the high end, um, you know, you, you have investors and, and high net worth clients purchasing horses who who don't want the general public, you know, to know what they've paid for an animal. And so, you know, even at the national level circuits, you know, an amateur rider may not want people knowing that they spent 200,000 euro on a new dressage horse. And so I think a lot of it comes down to privacy. Um, and of course, you know, in, in some cases, a, a sales price not may not be disclosed due to, you know, things like double or triple commissions being added to the baseline price of the horse. You know, without the buyer's knowledge, and and of course, in many countries around the world, that's an illegal practice, and you know, commissions must be disclosed to the buyer. But, you know, uh, long story short, you know, there's a, a lot of reasons why sales prices and and private sales are not disclosed, and and it often just comes down to privacy. So, you know, simply put, people don't want others knowing or judging how they spend their hard-earned money. So, um, you know, it can be really, really tough to, um, you know get those prices either sales prices or uh, you know private sales what what a horse has sold for i totally i mean that's totally logical and it makes total sense i think that just generally for for a public outlook not for, not necessarily for how much one specific person is spending for a specific horse but generally it would be good to know hey if i have a six-year-old that's jumping x size and x market with x result and x health um, this is what we could value it at for that reason. I think that the pricing model could be could be very interesting. But again, it's like, how do you value art? 
you have professionals that do that but it's also very debatable it's opinion based so I find that we're still very much behind on that and I will it will take a long time to kind of catch up but um but I, I, yes. I think that the future yeah. will probably put down standards for for the support at least I hope so Oh, I do too, because it would make my job so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> and my life, trust me, when you have yes. both parties not agreeing on the horse's value at all, it's very difficult. Like, you know, when you have the trial that goes well, the vetting that goes well, everything, and you just debate over like 50,000, it's, it's very difficult. <laughs> yes. Very difficult. Um, and what was I going to say? Do you find yourself, like, what's the biggest challenge that you face in, in your job as an appraiser? Um, I, I think that the biggest challenge is, is really researching comparable prices, uh, you know, for horses that I appraise. And so, especially the high-end horses, um, you know, because private sales, like I've said already, and even sales prices are, are rarely disclosed. So, so in many cases, um, you know, young, talented show jumpers capable of doing the meter 50s and meter 60s are often sold long before anyone is aware uh, you know, of them being available for purchase. So as a result, it's it's taken me over 20 years to build up relationships with buyers and sellers and trainers around the world who are willing to disclose sales prices to me. Um, the, you know, the tough part, though, is in most cases, I have to sign a confidentiality agreement for the information. So, you know, it's, it's really no different than what happens with private sales in the high-end art world you know, art appraisers end up becoming really good friends with the art dealers who are willing to share their private sales results. So it's often the only way that uh, appraisers are able to complete, um, you know, the high-end appraisal reports. I, I do, I don't I mean, I do understand that. I think that people would actually have an issue with, with giving that information away. Um, so, so, so it's all about networking then, I suppose. And do you Absolutely. also find yourself... Do you also find yourself involved in sales, or wouldn't that be a conflict of interest? Um, I, I used to do a lot of sales. Um, uh, mostly, I don't do it now because of lack of time. But definitely, it can end up becoming a conflict of interest as well. And so, I, I sort of had to pick my poison. Um, and so, just due to lack of time, um, and sort of where my career has taken me, I've you know I've had to sort of let go of of being an agent and doing those commission sales. It's a tricky one. It's a tricky and tiring one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's super interesting. Um, and finally, I don't want to take too much of your time because I'm sure you're also busy and there's plenty of horses out there that you might have to be working with. Um, what would be your, your advice in terms of, of marketing? I understand you get people to look at, you know, the horse's performance, the records, the current market and stuff. In the current market right now, what would be your most like your best advice for people who want to sell or buy to be competitive and to who buyers to buy at the right price without being fooled and yeah. for sellers to sell at the right price without losing money while staying competitive. Yeah, I think to start with, as far as the sellers go, you need to have good quality photos and you need to have good quality video. Um, and I, I, you know, I always tell buyers, keep taking photos until you get the good ones you know you get the right ones um and you know you're you're sort of presenting that product and although you know the horse intimately those buyers don't and so you know it, it takes them you know less than a minute to sort of form an opinion about the horse so you know 
very simple things like, you know, get your horse back, get them cleaned up for a photo session. Keep taking photos till you get good ones. If you're not good at taking photos, you know, find someone that is good at taking horse photos. Get them out. Get a good quality video. Um, and then it's a matter of getting that horse, um, you know, in front of in front of the buyer. So you need exposure. Um, you know, making sure that you're getting them on a great web website like Bridal, and um, you know, so that there's lots of exposure there. Getting them in front of the right clients. Um, and as I said earlier, making sure that you haven't overpriced your horse or underpriced because, you know, the other end of the extreme is if you have your horse valued too low, sometimes you can end up convincing buyers not to contact you. So if, if something is too low, and not just the equine industry, but even a car or artwork or, or whatever it is, if it's priced too low, some buyers might start thinking there's a reason why it's priced low. You know, there's got to be a vet issue or, or a you know, maintenance issue or something else is going on. So you, you really make, need to make sure you do your research and, um, you know, maybe entrust the opinion of a, a local trainer or uh, an agent so that you can try and price your horse the, where it needs to be. And uh, that's definitely helpful in getting the right buyers, attracting the right buyers. Absolutely. I think that I could not, not have explained that in any better way. I feel like a lot of people will get to the understanding that, you know, to sell, you need to make sure that you just have a marketing strategy behind it. A lot of people don't actually have a marketing strategy. They, they hope for the best. Um, but I feel Correct. like with, with the current market, there's so many opportunities coming out there. Um, Tracy, brilliant conversation. I think, I think you've provided so much value and I'm super excited to see what people opinionate on that. And well, th I will... thank you so much for having me. It was, it was awesome. It's brilliant, yeah, and I will definitely follow up because I think that we could work on some interesting things together. Absolutely. That's awesome, stuff. Well, thank you so much. Have a lovely Wednesday. And, uh, we'll you be too. Thank you. Ciao. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, how was that? I hope you found a lot of value and a lot of learnings in this new episode of Naysays. For more information, feel free to subscribe to the podcast, get in touch with our team, and remember... If you're looking to either sell or buy a high-quality show jumping horse, you know where to find us. See you soon, on to the next episode of No Sayers, and have a lovely beginning of the summer. Ciao.